Coming up today, we discuss cricket paywalls, T20 league issues, the ODI Super League, Nadekun Chansom in the women's IPL and news around the world. But first, a shout out to those who support us on Patreon. From as little as $2 US a month as a patron, you can access bonus content at Emerging Cricket and have a say on our show's direction. A shout out to our latest patron, James Warstead. Thank you so much for joining the EC movement. To sign up, log on to Patreon. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Emerging Cricket. Plenty to discuss this week. Let's get straight into it. Hello and welcome again to the Emerging Cricket Podcast online and on Sport FM. I'm Daniel Bezigan with me at the Emerging Cricket table. Once again, I'm joined by the rest of the podcast crew. First up in Brisbane, Tim Cutler. How's things up there? Well, I think I talked enough about last week, didn't I? About moving and how much everybody loves it. Relatively painless. I've moved all of, you know, 800 metres from where I lived before. But it's only catering for one person now, so I guess I'm a, I'm a cheaper date now. But uh, I'm all well. Storming Norman up here. It's been a hailing uh, early in the week. I think I made comment about that last last week about how yeah. the insurance industry would like it not to hail. And, um, well, they listened. They, they said, don't tell us what to do. We're going to throw hailstones as big as cricket balls <laughs> um, north and south of Brisbane. So... That was that was pretty intense, but um, I'm very well, Daniel. How are you? It's been a bit quiet from you of late. You're uh, you're a busy, busy boy. How is the WBBL? Oh yeah, I'm uh, tired, but it's been it's been great fun. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Can't say the weather's been great. We've had more washouts and no results this summer than every other WBBL combined. <laughs> uh, there's another stat for you on the Emerging Cricket Podcast, but it's been it's been great being able to chat and work with some amazing people thus far in the first two weekends. Uh, this is kind of the hump weekend. Once we get past this one, we're over halfway and uh, into the final stretch with, with finals, and then the men's BBL comes around. From an Emerging Cricket point of view, we haven't heard anything about Sandeep's potential signing yet in that competition. We might have some more news in... in the weeks to come but yeah uh basically working two jobs at the moment and having to kind of put my emerging life uh, on the back burner a little bit basically resorting to this podcast where i can vent all my thoughts and opinions on things and a man who is well filled with plenty of thoughts and opinions (laughs) especially this week on the show nick skinner copernicus cricket on twitter nick how are you Oh, well, been uh, busy with work and, and whatnot as well. Also busy uh, following the American election and feeling very uh, very sorry for myself. So I stayed up all night watching the votes trickle in. Oh, um, yeah, that's something. But um, I, I might come visit you in uh, in North Sydney. Actually, I'm heading up there on the Sunday with Rod Lyle, Ooh. who's also coming. Yeah, another emerging cricket member. So that should be good. Hopefully it's not raining as it's uh, absolutely pouring outside my window right now. Yeah. But, uh, I've had a look at the forecast and it looks good. So we might find ourselves uh, frequenting one of the pubs on Miller Street there come Sunday afternoon. Ooh. All fingers crossed. Yeah, the American election has been fascinating. I've got to say I've had CNN on for out of the last 24 hours, probably probably 22 of those hours, a lot of red and blue American infographics and, and maps, interactive maps and John King just basically telling me everything I need to know has been fascinating viewing. I feel like we should uh, like cut a little bit in here where we say the, I would like to congratulate 
the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> on, uh, on winning the election. Joe Biden. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I'm quite interested. Uh, here's some niche Australian content, but the Chasers Chaz Lichardello actually turns out to be a, a massive expert on US politics, and he's been popping up quite a lot on the ABC of late. So there you go. To bring it back to cricket, I've seen Raleigh mentioned in North Carolina a lot. They seem to be a real hotspot. Mm. And North Carolina is a state that has been heavily contested over the last couple of days. Shout out to Nate. Every time I, I see Raleigh, all I think about is Nate Hayes, American Cricket, and the Steakhouse that we're going to go to in uh, in the years to come when we're going to have some more emerging cricket down the line in, in that part of the world. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, Morrisville hosted the uh, sub-regional, didn't it, back in 2019? Jeez, it feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? I'm sort of saying it, thinking, oh, I'll catch it, I'll catch it. Yep, 2019, but... Uh... Yeah, and, uh, you know, once the American election's over, then I'll be just in time for the ICC chair election. <laughs> <laughs> another another battle, ding-dong battle. Well, and, and we had the Queensland one squeezed in there too, didn't we, Tim? Yep, another one for the good guys. That's great. No. <laughs> <laughs> we can jump straight into the first topic of the night, if we're all keen, fellas. It's quite a polarising topic as well, this one. European cricket joins forces with sports flick. It's been probably the biggest story in the emerging game and and associate cricket probably in the last week. Uh, The European Cricket League and everything that goes with it have teamed up with an Australia-based channel sports flick announcing a multi-year tv cooperation deal considered a major milestone for both entities it will include the european cricket league if it does run next year and it will now mean that the european cricket series and all the cricket that is being run by the european cricket network is now behind a paywall Uh, in terms of the price they are offering half price subscriptions up until november 7th uh, but looking at, at some of the, the prices that people would have to pay to watch cricket from uh, from now on, eight euros a month, nine pounds a month, 10 US dollars a month, or 15 Australian dollars roughly a month in Australia. So that's equivalent actually to Optus Sports Premier League coverage subscription. Um, this has been a topic that's been heavily debated and talked about not only on social media and, and, and the discourse that we see in the emerging game, but also within the Emerging Cricket Contributors chat. There's been a lot of talk about this. I'll give Nick the new ball here to discuss this, but it's a pretty big move. Obviously, with 2020 being a pretty unprecedented year in so many ways, we didn't probably envisage something like this happening, but Daniel Weston's decided to to pull the trigger on on a paywall deal um, to watch his cricket. Yeah, it seems like uh, some stuff that was maybe in the pipeline got accelerated somewhat by the... um the, the sporting landscape that we've you know has emerged from the pandemic and a lot of stuff being uh, you know rearranged and and you know obviously administrators grappling with you know a huge challenge for scheduling and all sorts of other things but yeah <laughs> there's a few concerns I have with this um, and the first is just you know as you're going through those prices the value proposition you know I can subscribe to Disney plus for a bit less than that or Netflix for around the same thing and are people going to pay this amount of money for what is ultimately low-level amateur cricket? I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I love watching the low-level amateur cricket and, and there's something very charming about it, but I'm not convinced on the value proposition of, of, of a, uh, a you know a proper streaming service worth of money for yeah a, a very low-grade product. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like a strange decision to me. You know, looking at what they're trying to do, do they have... 
the brand buildup and the credibility. You know, if, if this had been running for a few years and had been pulling good numbers consistently for, for a number of years, it might be worth considering. But I think I just feel like he's pulled the trigger too early on, on this front. But, you know, then again, you know, Weston and, and the team behind the European Cricket League have uh, a lot of experience in in, uh, in sports administration and especially European sports administration. And obviously, Weston is very astute at investing in various opportunities in the stock market. So, you know, you'd, you'd hope that they, they know what they're doing and it, it is his money at the end of the day. So, you know, <laughs> he can he can do what he wants with it. And um yeah, maybe maybe they know something we don't. But the one thing that I'm a bit concerned about, other than the you know the credibility and the the just straight up, are people going to pay for it? Is the the nexus between this you know European cricket series and fan code in India? If they're putting it behind a paywall and trying to get people you know gambling on it or, or doing fantasy in India, I don't know. I, I feel like they've drifted a bit. And is that really going to help grow European cricket? I don't know. And always, always, always. If you're jumping into bed with gambling or gambling adjacent organizations, I think that's something that you, you need to be very careful with, especially if it's a new competition that is maybe a bit more susceptible to, to being pulled one way or the other if the money is there. Yeah, I think that's the key point here is 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 the money. You know, this cricket does not exist in a, in a vacuum in terms of cost and uh, it's not just popped out of nowhere, nor is it funded by anyone other than the European Cricket Network, which, you know, Daniel Weston, without knowing the ins and outs, majority shareholder and there, there are other investors as well and executive team, etc. But, you know, this cricket wouldn't exist if not for this group. So I think, you know, to see a lot of the comment on social media almost referring to this cricket as a, as a, a public resource or, you know, to compare this to putting English cricket behind a paywall in 2005 I think is disingenuous at least because cricket in the UK is funded by the government funded by the ICC which you know has a hand in growing the game so we're talking about ultimately a commercial enterprise or at least an enterprise that needs to exist commercially so from that point of view I don't have an issue with a paywall you know like you said is that the cred there to get people to pay for it but then the flip side of that as well is is how popular it has been with with the fantasy players and if that's where the interest is and they're able to generate funds from it to subsidize the events then this is great i guess my concern as i look at it is the ecl we love we love that concept we've talked about it i talk about it too much you know in all sort of random cricket conversations about how daniel weston has basically flipped the the franchise model as it were in cricket where they go that top-down approach we're here starting at the bottom building local heroes not relying on international players coming in to, to build the credibility actually getting the game to grow roots. So to that sense, you know, that would be my concern that there has been investment and heavy investment into the ECS side of it, which I would say is not so much a sideshow. It's all about building a brand and, and building the exposure, especially during a time when nobody else was playing cricket. But I just hope that that hasn't taken money away from what could have gone into making the ECL either free to watch or heavily subsidised. So, yeah, I, I don't really enjoy seeing kind of people really piling on sort of meme culture when when, the, when this happened and sort of look at this a, a little bit deeper. You know, the pricing, as you, as you said, Nick, you know, it's not just a couple of dollars. And I, and I know that a couple of dollars means a lot to, to different people around the world. But if it was something like, I think it's the cricketer that does it where you pay per, per article and, you know, I try to avoid to pay for these things as much as possible. But, you know, when you're, t- t- you're paying cents on the dollar per article and whether there was a, a different way of doing it that you paid for what you watched and therefore you the more you watch the more you pay up to a certain level but i guess it's also going to make sense for sports flick who 
have, again, private companies and we're probably not going to find out how much money they've paid for it. Likewise, we don't know how much Vanco just paid, but um, for, for it to work for them, it's great to see a new brand involved in, in, in cricket. You know, that, that's the question, you know, is this going behind a paywall harm cricket's growth in Europe? Or say, well, the existence of European Cricket Network into that's that's called a vacuum of of cricket. I know that there's European cricket's getting stronger by the day, but uh, we don't we're not seeing underage tournaments, we're not seeing club tournaments on TV or anything along those lines. So everything that's happened with the European Cricket Network, despite you know, I know we've had some conversations around corruption matters and you know which is going to happen when you pull sort of club cricketers kicking and screaming into this new world besides everything else that's that's going on it's a matter of how you you manage it to the best of your abilities while you're still growing the game but you know you, i think your net result here is the game's better off because people you know i, I know i get people that are friends of mine on facebook that I've probably invited to like emerging cricket, but will uh, not necessarily have an interest in associate cricket, but are messaging me saying, oh, what about this this game in, in Belgium or in Sweden or where, wherever it is? You know, people are, are noticing that's going on. So I guess is the, the money that's going to come in from the paywall going to help that versus the, the interest? And then what effect will this have on, on the ECL? Yeah, I think that's the, the bigger question. You know, if the ECL's behind a paywall, is that really very helpful? I, I don't see it being particularly good for the clubs that are involved. The, the overall purpose of this, and I, I think that's kind of what I would want European Cricket Network to be keeping in mind. You know, why are they doing this? If you're trying to build a domestic viewership in Europe for club cricket and, and trying to get people interested in club cricket as a, as a local market, in Europe, which is, you know, that's Dan Weston's stated aim, not necessarily relying on overseas viewers, but you know, having Europeans be interested in the game. I don't know that running a, you know, a fantasy or betting orientated competition for the benefit of fantasy, um, Dream 11 and, and whatnot. I just, I don't, if I'm a European club, is that going to help me grow the game in my country? I, I, I don't know. That, so that's, that's a concern I certainly have. And, you know, related to that, you know, it's, it's not inherently a problem with the paywall, but it, it's sort of exacerbated by it. You know, the European Cricket Series, we, <laughs> we saw on the announcement, Mr. Maximo, Vinny Sandu, was saying that there'll be a thousand matches in the uh, European Cricket Series over the next uh, year or so. But to me, that just sort of... Are they losing focus on, on what made the European Cricket League so good? It was because for me, it was the fact that it was all these clubs that had won their domestic competitions and, and now they had something else on top that they could aspire to. And you know, if they were broadcasting the domestic club competitions, that would have some sort of, you know, purpose and, and relevance to the European Cricket League because it would presumably all be, you know, feeding into that. Whereas the European Cricket Series, the the, the travelling circus model where they have, uh, you know, a, a slam-bam competition in, in a bunch of different cities and play heaps of matches and the matches themselves might be you know entertaining and we saw some of the stuff in, in Finland that was that was really good and that was quite educational actually with um the, you know some Finnish commentary and and them explaining the, the game in Finland and that was fantastic but a thousand matches you know I, I look at ice hockey or, or basketball that's almost an NBA or, or, or an HL season is there really that much appetite for club cricket in Europe at the moment I, I, I don't know I don't, and at least you know if I'm following a, a team in the NBA I follow that team and and I don't watch every single other match and you know are they going to be having like team passes for this or, or are the teams going to all be playing each other and building narratives over the course of a year and a pathway to something bigger or is it just going to be a, a, a giant blob of random games that we don't really know why they're being played so i think that's something that to me i think is quite worrying or you know more cricket's always great but if you're just playing a bunch of games that no one really knows why they're being played i don't think that's particularly helpful so for me 
I think the question a lot of this comes down to is who is responsible for growing cricket in Europe? And yeah, sure enough, you know, Weston's put his hand up more often than not over the last two years. But really, he he's he's not a stopgap because he, he carries a lot of ambition. And I think a lot of what he's done is, is very good. But there's definitely other people that need to step up and be involved from an ICC point of view, ICC Europe and the European members. Because, okay, what Weston's done so far is is great. And the ECL is very much his golden goose in all of this. You know, that's the holy grail of the of the product that he's trying to build. He's trying to promote to, to everyone around the world and, and to ultimately watch. You know, it's the end of the path that he wants from grassroots cricket and, and kids starting the game now to, you know, in 20 years time, potentially winning a European title as the so-called Champions League of cricket and the concept is is great and what it does is it instills this belief in every single young player at all of these clubs to to endeavor to try and win something on on the next stage but the issue that comes now is that Weston has put so much of his personal money and funds into this you know there's only so much that he can do and and we know that 2020 is a year like no other we we don't know his personal situation with with how he accumulates his money but you know you have to think that at some point you know everything's going to come you know what goes up has to come down at some point you know then there needs to be a way for him to to recoup all the money that he's invested over this last 24 months or so so personally I, I can't see how people are angry about this going behind the paywall I don't think the principle with it is wrong at all because I think it's Weston's prerogative I don't think that we as consumers have the right to just complain if there's not free cricket to watch you know we've been in a way spoiled to have hundreds and hundreds of games over the last 12 months just shown on a, on a free platform that YouTube is I don't think we have the right to be to be angry we've had free cricket on nearly every day on YouTube and we've been crippled of no- normality in 2020 already Weston's outlaid a lot of money off his own bat for the ECL he's opened up the ownership of the league as well but that kind of was curtailed by by what's happened in the last six months and looking at the you know Europe in general is a basket case and it's going to take a miracle for for the ECL in 2021 to even run at all you know so for me you know there's no such thing as a free lunch you know someone's got to pay for something to put these events on you know free-to-air TV that's subsidized by you know advertising um, events are, are more than more often than not funded by sponsors so i think we just need to shift our our expectations a little bit here we've we've had it too good for maybe a little bit too long you know and this is associate cricket when it comes down to it you know there's not a lot of money in associate cricket to start off with and let alone in in europe where you know things have been scarce for for a long time fantasy and gambling will will help with a lot of this but i think we need to kind of acknowledge that some of the sinister behavior that we've actually seen by players and teams in european cricket series is is down to that ethical headache of gambling and fantasy as well so if this is a way that kind of you know strikes that away it takes it away from from the game you never know it could be the best thing to ever happen for for something like the ECS and and games that are now streamed for fantasy and and betting purposes so to come back to it I think the principle of what Weston is doing is is fine it's just about how much you know he wants to charge for the product Um, and he can charge however you know how much he he wants I I think that the the current pricing is, is probably a little bit too high I don't think it's quite competitive enough for it to be sustainable but you never know you know we we 
we could be pleasantly surprised down the line by how many people subscribe to Sports Flick, you know, in the next month or so. And he could well have a, a pretty solid base of viewers and consumers for his product. So I'm hoping this all, you know, comes back to the idea of growing cricket in Europe and, and the grassroots. But I think we have to think of, we almost have to think of Weston in a way first because, you know, he's put all this money into the idea and, and maybe we should just be thinking about, you know, potentially Weston trying to recoup these costs and, and, and then building once again. Yeah, and I sort of think of the, the alternative, Nick. I think you came to it a bit, you know, how would the teams be feeling about if playing this for effectively, I'm, I'm paraphrasing you here, for people who are only willing to pay because they play fantasy or gamble on it. It's like, well, I think that's your, your option if you're kind of thinking about it this way. It's like, okay, well, if the, the money is not there at the moment. And as Bez just alluded to, you know, 2020 has been 2020 and, and sports sponsorship, the you know, the, the bottom has, has fallen out of that as well. So the money's not there for the game. Do you shutter everything that is to do with the ECL and the ECS? Because I think that's basically the option we're looking at here. Either the group, and it's not just just Daniel Weston here. You know, I think people think he's presiding over this with a uh, um, a feudal type um, control. You know, he's not the CEO of the company. The CEO is is Roger Finer, um, who was involved in starting the Champions League. So it's I don't think it's like a Mr Burns <laughs> seat at the, uh, the the university that he's got. You know, the dog and everything. He says, you know, what he said. I think he brought these people in because they're better at doing this stuff than he is because they, these people have done it and they're the ones that are also involved in his decision that are made so you know I, I kind of look at it and say well okay if we take that focus and say you know well we don't want this to be primarily fantasy driven cricket and that it doesn't go behind a paywall I, I don't think the game exists so that's I think the Bez's point as well the, the prerogative of, of the group that have basically created this you know this is unlike any other cricket that we've seen this is not a franchise that's owned by a sorry a franchise league that is owned by a, a cricketing nation nor a group of cricketing nations nor one you know we, we talk about this a lot you know the bbl is completely owned by, by cricket australia um the caribbean premier league is completely owned by a third party and pays a license fee to the to Cricket West Indies, and there are all other leagues in between where franchises are owned over different lease periods, etc. You know, this is completely different. This is a wholly owned commercial entity um, engaging with uh, numerous countries and uh, having more club teams play than any other cricket in the world. So, you know, this is the way the world, in terms of attracting a, a fantasy audience, you know, without telling too many secrets of, you know, behind the curtain of emerging cricket, you know, some of our most read articles have been previews and insight into events that are sort of behind the curtain and are not watched a lot of. For example, the, the Rod Lyles preview to the Netherlands T20 finals day was one of our most read articles. And the reason why that was is because nobody else around the world was writing about it. And, you know, we had someone like Rod Lyle who has great insight into the teams and the players involved. And to me, that was just a little kernel of what we're dealing with here in the emerging cricket world and yeah, you know, it'd be very easy to say from an emerging cricket point of view oh well let's go just chasing those clicks and that's right fantasy previews but thankfully you know none of us have put millions of dollars in, into this project that we're looking to build into a sort of a global brand and we're able to, to sort of diversify our our focus and also kind of come and go with the wind in terms of you know dealing with with volunteers and whatnot but this is a commercial entity who's tr trying to grow themselves and taken the really picked up the gauntlet during coronavirus to keep cricket going and if it means that we're seeing a new version of franchise cricket here behind a, a paywall that's really attractive to, to fantasy gamers um, and that gets interest in emerging cricket then great let's let's see how it goes and if that means we've got many more people watching the ecl and, and interested in wanting to play and being part of it isn't that what we we're trying to do all along yeah i mean i'm not conceptually opposed to the paywall i just think 
doing it now is probably a mistake. And related to that, I, I'm sort of wondering what the, I guess, the payment structure is and, and how the money, if there is any coming in from subscriptions and whatnot, you know, how, how does that go back to the clubs? Because, you know, the product ultimately is the cricket and the cricketers who are playing, right? And we've seen in other T20 leagues where um, certain operators aren't paying the players properly or coaches or, or, you know, whoever, the money just doesn't flow for one reason or another. So, where's the money going, I guess? And if these amateur cricketers are the product that is ostensibly being monetized, are they getting a cut or, you know, so we don't know any of these, um, you know, any of this information and perhaps some of it will come out eventually. But I think that's something also to keep an eye on. And that's not painted only that way as well. You know, there's a lot of these events have been run by people trying to, to start something big and, and and really make a splash you know the, the uae t20x and yep one or two of the owners did end up being dodgy but i mean in terms of the plan the difference was they shot way too high the cost base was just too much to be supported by the sponsorship that was going to come in the tv i.e tv rights but also the price that they needed for four franchises in that so yeah i just wanted to make sure we weren't saying that everyone who's ever failed to run a t20 league is is uh without scruples but um exactly and i, and I know that we're probably taking some sort of extreme ends of the conversation here nicholas i don't want to be tearing you down when you're saying that you know therefore this this cricket shouldn't exist but it's a kind of a, a take a step back and kind of look at the real world that, that we that we have here and, and what we see from a, around the world and I know that the Lanka Premier League is on our on our run sheet but knowing how long we've spoken about this already um, you know hopefully hopefully Bez gets to it at least in the um, in the wrap but you know it's and, and again that that's why I, I, I just I, I sort of have like uh, Andrew Nixon's kind of voice kind of bellowing in the back of my head and you know it's, I've got to see a doctor about this you have a Lancastrian in your, in your head there Tim well I thought he was from Scotland wasn't he well, no, what are we calling that he didn't like you oh, didn't Yorkshire. He, uh, don't from, start this again <laughs> the, from Yorkshire that was the, the, I got the two he, he almost deleted his patron pledge you know one of the early adopters there because he called him a uh, said he was from Lancashire um, my, the point that I'm getting to is that you know people say oh well I'm, I'm a real I'm a real cynic you know it's like well I think that's the problem as well there's nothing wrong with some healthy cynicism and being a critical friend and I'm sort of quoting Richard Donick's ICC you know USA Cricket about the, what the ICC was to um, to the members as the, the higher the higher ranking associate members but it's like Jesus give these guys a chance you know look at look at the goodwill they've that they've brought on and exactly as you said bez like they have been the lannisters of cricket you know <laughs> show me another cricket tournament that started in the last in the last 10 years that has always paid their debts and i you know i think the ecl look at that list that fika put out it was basically every t20 league um besides you know the the, the big three and big four but you know, there's still ones that uh, that are going on at the moment that's, that have issues around paying that people still owed money or paid paid late. So Or paid illegally. Yeah, or paid illegally, you know, and, and that was, you know, Jared's story as well about the well, about what happened to CPL and about other players. So it's like, God, guys, have a look at what what's trying to happen here. I'd it be I'll tell you what, if this ends up being a I don't want to make light of the situation because of the amount of money involved and what it but you know I would be to see the amount of effort that has gone into growing this sport in, in, in Europe. It's not like we're, we're talking about a, a Texas billionaire landing on on lords <laughs> in, a, in a helicopter with the you know 
I was going to say ostentacity, and I know that I made that, and I know that I got in trouble for what? What, what did I say wrong the other week? Microchasm. That Rod Lyle, um, I said microchasm. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think because I said I've got like the grand chasm in from the Simpsons, and that's two Simpsons references in, in about ten minutes. You know, it's that we. we Daniel Weston is is not Alan Stanford landing on a on the nursery ground in a painted helicopter. This is a guy who's trying to grow cricket from the from the the, the grassroots up in, in Europe. So look, you know what? I'm going to disengage my cynical motor and kind of watch the ride. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the uh, the ostentation of uh, of Texas billionaires <laughs> <laughs> landing on lords and, and whatnot. But as far as we're aware, every single bill that uh, Dan Weston and co have been owing has been paid. So that's certainly ahead of quite a number of T20 leagues. Uh, so I think that does also speak very well of the you know of the organisational uh, in integrity and and just willingness to make it work. And, and do everything above board. So I think that is, yes, cynicism and the, you know, the, the Lancastrian in your ear, for sure. But at the same time, I think they do have a bit of a track record of, of at least getting some things very, very right compared to a, a lot of others. Yeah, this pod has turned into the European Cricket Network paywall ramble. Uh, but it is a, a huge topic that, that's kind of taken over um, the emerging cricket chat, I, I suppose, over the last week. And it's a, it's a pretty important thing, you know, once we establish this and we can, you know, find a, a proper measure here, when we look to the future, we can, you know, see how a lot of this can be applied in, in future tournaments and, and future instances. So it's, it's very much a, a a landmark moment in some ways um, because I don't think we would have ever even considered a, a service like this before. Just to even have it as a realistic possibility is 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 quite a fascinating, hmm. you know, topic in in its own right. Because I think two years ago, before we started this show, before you know, emerging cricket came into existence, I don't think we would have ever ever had this conversation. You know, so so recently into into our time here. Yeah, it's a real interesting one. I was sort of hearing the different points. I really am intrigued after this chat as to what our listeners think about this because sometimes it could be a little echo chamber for us. You know, there was a, a lot of, what's the word they use? It was a robust <laughs> conversation about this in, in the Emerging Cricket contributors WhatsApp chat. And I wouldn't say that, you know, there was a consensus really. I think there were some strong views either way. I just I'm really intrigued as to what our, our listeners think about this. You know, how many people are are watching it and and would be willing to pay for it to to be watching it. But there's also the knowledge for the same reason that patrons pledge money to us is that you know that you're supporting a cause. And I guess that is somewhat to Nick's point of, you know, is the money going to the clubs? You know, where, where's the where's the payoff here for the clubs? Is in the exposure they're able to sell sponsorship. Yes, and that's I'm sure that's part of the future ecosystem of the emerging cricket. <laughs> Write that down. Um, a part of the the European cricket eco ecosystem. But I, you know, I, I've sat and watched sort of ECS stuff, and I'm sort of thinking to myself, um, you know, is that am I am I going to pay this money? You know, is that is that worth to me? Is that, well, I'm probably leaning on it on a yes because I know that that's. Eight dollars a month. That's a you know one ivory back scratcher. No, that's a that's an Uber ride from where I live. You know the the, the one kilometer into the into the city. You know that's a that's a schooner. Uh, maybe not even a schooner. You know midi. Yeah, where you live for sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know 
again, context. Um, it's a lot cheaper in, in India, so it's not like we're saying to, to convert it into to rupees, which would be unaffordable in terms of you know, the demographic that we're talking about there. But um, yeah, I'm intrigued. What, what do people think? You know, it's you know it's almost op-ed territory for uh, for people to, to you know the fans that are out there, or, or, or you know, are they the the ones that are all playing fantasy that uh, that it's worth their investment so they can uh, be part of the action. Yeah, make sure to get in touch if you if you feel strongly about it. We've seen plenty of strong opinions on either side of the argument already, but I think it it is a crucial topic as you know that's why we we've talked about it for the best part of forty five minutes already. So look, yeah, more than more than happy to, to hear out what plenty of other people have to say. Um, and just talking about. You know, tournaments finding it, uh, finding themselves in in lots of trouble, whether it be down to COVID or financial situations or otherwise. We, we've seen difficulties in the Lanka Premier League uh, getting up and running. It was meant to start already. Um, we've seen it pushed back to the 21st of November, and now that date is being reconsidered. Also, a possibility the tournament will be moved to either the UAE or Malaysia. We are hearing UAE a little bit stronger. Um, Crick Info spoken to the tournament director. Uh, looks like that the 14-day quarantine period is, is a deal-breaker for a lot of the players who were uh, supposed to play in the tournament. A number of players have pulled out, which makes things really difficult from an organizing standpoint, but also in terms of, of appealing to, to people to actually watch the coverage. Tim, where do you think it goes from here? It looks as if you know this was... They're bitten off more than they can chew here in this instance, uh, it looks like, in Sri Lanka. Well, just as we we're talking about, weren't we about uh, shooting too too high, um, trying to get players, the TV deals, you know, I think the issues in Sri Lankan cricket in, in general, you know, I'm, I don't know the history of the company that was awarded the uh, awarded the rights for it, but um, look for, for Sri Lankan cricket's sakes, it'd be great for them to have a national league that uh, you know the interest is definitely there in the game, but it definitely looks like it. You know, it's a interesting time to be. To be trying to launch something uh, like a full-blown franchise league like this, you'd think perhaps SLC may have done a, like a, a Bangladesh and gone a wholly owned event to, to get it up and running and bankroll it there to build a, a, a bit of cred and to show that it could happen. But um, yeah, I, I didn't know about the Malaysia um, mention there. That would have been an interesting one to um, to get the interest in a bit of... Uh, uh, Bit of high level, more more high level cricket there, but uh, Malaysia have just been coming out of their own lockdown anyway. Have they even come out of lockdown yet as well? So, well, more cricket in Dubai. That's uh, just going to be like the new the new home game. You know, we'll either be at home or we'll, uh, we'll be playing at Dubai Stadium. Yeah, it's it's disappointing that this has happened, but I mean, there's there have been a number of uh, attempts to get a, a Sri Lankan league up and running, and it just hasn't quite happened yet. And I know. Um, yeah, we don't want to get into too much full member chat on this front, but yeah, the under Sri Lanka has a lot of uh, domestic uh, administrative problems with their cricket. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it's not that surprising that it hasn't happened, um, especially when you add in the, the virus situation, which has been spiking quite sharply recently in, in Sri Lanka as well. So yeah, hopefully they can pull it off, but I don't know. An- another tournament in Dubai, as you say, do we need another tournament in Dubai, really? Uh, if everyone's there, if people are available and can play there, that that's the big thing. I mean, if people are in bubbles already, what's another two, three weeks? I know that it takes 
a toll, you know, mentally and emotionally on, on, on players and, and players' families and whatnot. But if, if the players are willing to, to go into that situation for a little bit longer for the sake of, of cricket and to be hopefully um, paid for their services, then by all means, I, I think it can well and truly be done. Yeah, and look, we're not saying that if it can only be run in, in Dubai, well, in the UAE there's more than Dubai, you know, it shouldn't be run. It's just, it just sort of seems that they're really clutching you know we've heard of the international players that have pulled out but that may have been because it was traveling to Sri Lanka rather than um, anything else around pairing um, related to those matters but look we want it to work because again there's a, uh, an opportunity here for, for players from emerging nations to uh, to have a chance to play we'll keep our ear to the floor in terms of the Lanka Premier League uh, but we have seen some cricket in the Asian region and in the ODI Super League, where we did see Zimbabwe jag a victory uh, away in Pakistan, a great result, uh, albeit in a Super Over. We'll talk about why Super Overs, or if we like Super Overs in the ODI Super League, uh, I suppose, in this chat. But, I mean, right now, I love Super Overs. It means that Zimbabwe have, have taken a victory <laughs> in that in that series, in that league. Uh there were a couple of congratulations thrown around by the Dutch until the Dutch realised that, oh, hang on a second, that's not exactly great in, in our aspirations. But 2-1 uh, result in that particular series, not that it particularly matters. The most important thing, Nick, there's a victory there to Zimbabwe away from home. Yeah, I don't know how much of a fan of, of Super Overs Ryan Campbell is right now. But um, yeah, I think this just goes to show the importance of the Super League and, and the ODI Super League's uh, relevance to qualifying for the World Cup and uh, having relegation in terms of, you know, you don't want to come last. And, and that battle there between uh, the Netherlands and Zimbabwe and Ireland, and, you know, they've both grabbed points against some much more highly favoured uh, opposition, so that'll put them in pretty good, uh, pretty good territory to 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 stay off that bottom of the of the table, which is what you want. Um, and yeah, I, I just think this is this is the the Super League in in action, and I, I, you know we were watching it, um, following it in in the uh, group chat, and everyone was really excited because they were trying to. Uh, see what you know. What does this mean for the Netherlands? And Burtis de Jong's got his uh, simulators out, and you know. So this is this is what it was designed for, and it, you know it's working as intended. So you know, thumbs up for the Super League, uh, Super Overs. I'm yeah. I mean, great for Zimbabwe, but I I I'm yeah. I don't like Super Overs for non-knockout games. I, I just think if you're going to have a tie, let it be a tie. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, thinking it's like the the NRL bringing in golden point, golden point. Yeah. Uh, to think that and this decision was made before the Super League started, so it's not like they've changed their mind because it might be shortened. But we're talking about thirteen teams play twenty-four ODIs each, and the chances of a tie in ODI cricket are roughly one in a hundred, which is not not my number, by the way. It was a Skinner Skinner <laughs> number. I thought it was a uh, it was about it was thirty one in thirty two. But you know, one in a hundred is going to be a tie. So for the purposes of, of getting a result and have to, having to get a result, you know, I, I don't think it's it's necessary. You know, if they've played fifty overs, you know, it's a one in a hundred chance. It's like just let it stand, move on. You know, split the actually split the points, and then if by the freakiest you know of, of occurrences they end up on the same points at the end of the Super League. The net run rate is, is there. I'm not sure if it goes by net run rate or most wins or, or, or head-to-head. I probably should know these things. But 
Yeah, it's almost like yeah, the I <laughs> God, I'm feeling old saying this. You know, there, there needs to be an answer generation. It's like, be happy with a tie, you know, great. Oh, we could have won it, we should have won it, but we didn't. Yep, tie's <laughs> great, we'll go home. But um, but then in the end, and like you said, Bez, you know, the fact that Zim got up, great for, for the, the emerging nations, which I guess, you know, looking at what Zim had gone through, they're definitely, they're, they're definitely there, there. But um, I don't know, you know, Pakistan have still got to play three games in the Netherlands. Um we're we're going to see, yeah. You know, that, that that's going to be if we're talking about kind of taking games off Pakistan and to take one off them at home is you know it's still worth the same number of points. So I wouldn't be too upset now. I still think the Netherlands have um, quite a few upsets. You know, in inverted commas, you know they've, they've had a couple of giant killing matches already in their recent past. But yeah, like you said, it just shows how how great the Super League is. But I, I still laugh when people are talking about the series. You know, well, you know, Pakistan won the series, and but I don't think anyone that called it a dead rubber. So <laughs> I think they're they're getting it they're slowly. Getting it. But uh, <laughs> but I guess we've all grown up watching series, haven't we? You know, bilateral series. You know, even a um, World Series cricket. You know, having the best of three finals, you wouldn't have had a third final if it was a dead rubber. But I just think it brings. You know, it's like everybody knows this, but the context that it brings is great because it all it all, it all matters. It's no experimental team like the like we're going to see in the rugby with Australians, New Zealand playing. Um, you know, blooding a few youngsters and people saying, well, "What does this say about the the Bledisloe Cup?" You know, that international cricket should be the the best against each other, and we're going to see that in the Super League when when teams realise. Like I'm hoping teams realise, but <laughs> when they, everybody realises that uh, that every point's crucial. Has is context the most used word in emerging cricket? I don't know. There's a few in my phone that, uh, as I'm typing, you know, it's something completely different. You know, typing something insurance related, and you know, <laughs> something that comes up related to uh, you know tournament is one that um, I misspell all too often. That you know, for the number of times that I'm writing it, but uh, context is definitely up there. I'm just thinking, what, what other words will we use a lot? Fastest growing. Fastest growing. <laughs> <laughs> Unprecedented. There we go. You I think that got a got a run this yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I was gonna say, like it, nobody will have been able to see it, but I think you got double kind of eyebrows up when you said that. I I almost cut into you in as you were talking, but I thought, no, he's on a roll, but he, you said unprecedented. Ah, <laughs> look. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna excuse myself with that one. When when you're on a rant and you're on a roll, you, you can't stop. I'll just use whatever words come into my head. Well, absolutely. If the fact that you opened talking about how Sandeep that you know there's nothing about him signing at the stars yet I thought well I thought we we're going to talk about you know European cricket here it's going to get onto a into a Sandeep brand. <laughs> I think they're the only team in the Big Bash League thus far to not announce an international signing so maybe yeah they've just kept it under wraps and everything is embargoed hoping for for Sandeep's sake that it is because I'm guessing if it was something being organised at the last minute, I think it would be very hard for Sandeep to, to get out into Australia and into into quarantine. And hopefully for, for Sandeep's case, it's been embargoed. He already knows, but no one else in the world knows. that The fixtures came out today, um, which would have had potentially some bearing because there are games in um, some different states around the country. It's not just all in one hub. Might have affected quarantine in, in certain places or in certain situations so look maybe that's what the, the stars were waiting on and they got official word on it but yeah no news yet from uh the melbourne stars and no news yet on Sandeep. although we do have some emerging cricket news in regards to emerging players playing in them uh we've seen that at least selected 
for the Trailblazers in the T20 <laughs> women's or the women's T20 challenge, uh, the first game uh, for them against the Velocity. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get a bat. Not a lot of opportunity there, given that they're only chasing a target of 48. But Tim, we she, we know she's an opening bat. We were just <laughs> surely just just let her run free. I had a like as you were talking about Sandeep being being embargoed. I said we've seen his Twitter account, and I think there's a, a stream of consciousness that comes through on that. So if there was something that Sandeep knew, I'd be very surprised that we didn't know it that it hadn't <laughs> True. gone through. But but yeah, and look again, the magic of television. We're recording this last night, and you know we're thinking that it was going to have to come a lot later to to do the wrap. But uh, what transpired were, you know, the velocity being bowled out for uh, for forty seven. I just saw them complete the run chase and saw them bring up the the batting card. Jeans was down to bat at seven. Now, <laughs> you've got an opening bat that's just played in a World Cup. Whose last? Oh, it's going to sound very baseball there. Last at bat, last last innings. You know, scorched Pakistan all over the field, and oh, yep, well, welcome to uh, to Sharjah. You're batting seven. Talk me through that. I'm I'm sitting here listening, trying to come up with something. But look, again, I yeah, I can't I can't fathom it. Uh, an opening bat. That, that's a perfect opportunity for 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 Jeans to to go. Unfortunately, um, just hasn't been able to unleash. <laughs> Look, at, oh, I know this is an Indian tournament. Like, it should be there to be give giving Indians a chance. And I know the experience will be there, training. It's like the Sandeep experience, you know, training and training, training, and, and around these top players and coaches. But come on, seven. Uh, this is Will Glenwright, General Manager of Development for the International Cricket Council, and you're listening to the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Some news to round out the show this week. In first, Cricket Island has been awarded a 1.5 million euro government grant due to the impact of COVID-19. Ireland's summer home schedule was wiped out by the pandemic. Ireland's women's team is set to tour Spain to play Scotland at the end of the month. Hong Kong Cricket Club and Kowloon Cricket Club have won over the weekend in the Hong Kong Premier League T20. Jamie Atkinson was crowned player of the match with an innings of 44 of 23 balls in Kowloon's win over Diasco Little Saiwan while Kinchit Shah's 70 of 48 balls and 3 for 17 was enough for him to pick up the accolade in the other game. And finally, the Aziz Damani Scorpions have won the Uganda Elite League, beating out the Royal Varsani Bucks and the Metro Challengers Mumbas for the title. Scorpions batsman Wazim Butt was crowned player of the series. That's everything in the Emerging Game this week. Make sure to subscribe to the Emerging Cricket Podcast if you haven't done so already, so you can tune in as soon as it drops every week. If you want to support us financially, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Emerging Cricket, where you can support us from as little as $2 US a month. For now, on behalf of Nick Skinner, Tim Cutler, and myself, Daniel Peswick, see you next week.